This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 315. Culture and corporate is starting to shift. Men more often today, because men didn't used to share, men didn't come to therapists unless they were forced to, but they came to coaching because there was less stigma. In the corporate world now, and, and I wrote an article about this for Forbes, about the uh, CEO of Goldman Sachs was training his new managers to be more transparent. And, and I won't make a story long here, but when your employees come to work and you say, hi, how are you? We really want to know the answer. Hi, how are you? Oh, my wife and I sat down with our 16-year-old last night. She told us she's pregnant. I don't know what we're going to do. And all you have to do is say, Whoa, I can only imagine. Listen, glad you shared that. If there's anything we can do to support you, let us know. You don't have to go into the story. Right. You, you're sensitive and connected, honestly. Yeah. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, and welcome to the Star Coach Show. If you are listening to this in the United States, when it comes out, Thanksgiving Day is tomorrow. So I just want to let everyone know, whether you are in the States having Thanksgiving tomorrow or not, how grateful I am for all of you, how grateful I am to our guests for bringing their incredible wisdom to the show and sharing it with all of us. Today, we have a coaching legend on the show. Dr. Patrick Williams will be sharing with us how to go deeper with our clients, how to create new insight and evoke new awareness, uh, new awareness, which is just so absolutely key to the coaching process. And I'll tell you more about Dr. Williams and what we're going to talk about in just a moment. I do just want to let all of you know that as the year is coming to a close and I think about what I want to bring forward to all of you in this coming year, that truly I am grateful for the comments that you leave on the episodes, on social media posts. I'm grateful when you share the show with others so that they can also benefit from what is offered by our guests and how we continue to grow and nourish one another through the profession and bring change to our clients so that they can meet the goals that they have set for themselves. As we think about the upcoming holidays and just creating the kind of change you would like for yourself as a coach, I do want to invite you to consider giving yourself the gift of community. Our Star Coach member community is thriving. We are excited to come together several times a month to encourage one another to learn and grow, to gain wisdom through the Pearls of Wisdom Library and for annual members to be able to have a series of bonuses that really uh, jumpstart their businesses or help them continue to thrive as they are a part of community and getting the resources that they need to build their businesses and their skills as coaches. So interested, go to starcoachshow.com, check out the member community, 
We would love to have you be a part of it. Stop feeling like you have to do everything yourself. You don't. We're here to support you. And for less than a cup of coffee a day, you can be a part of this thriving community. So go to starcoachshow.com and check out the member community. So let's talk about what we're going to focus on today. In my discussion with Dr. Patrick Williams, we talk about how as coaches, we really do honor the partnership and we honor the fact that our clients are whole and creative and they've done things before that they can do again. And yet having a coach partner helps us go faster, further with more clarity. And so through that, we talk about, but how do we do that? How do we do that in such a way that we honor the wisdom of the client and are a full partner as the coach? Dr. Patrick Williams is a psychologist. He's an author, a speaker, a leadership coach. He is a pioneer in the field of whole life coaching. He was the founder of the Institute for Life Coach Training. He's been a master certified coach since 1999. He was honored as one of the inaugural, I can never say the word, but he was one of the first members of the ICF Circle of Distinction. He has been developing leaders for three decades. He's spoken around the world. He brings his unique wisdom to us today. If you do not have any of the books that he has authored uh, for coaches, you're missing out. He brings incredible wisdom forward. And I am just so excited to introduce you to Dr. Patrick Williams. I know you're going to enjoy our interview, and I'll see you on the other side. Dr. Patrick Williams, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm honored to have you here with us. Thank you, Meg. I've been looking forward to this. I have as well. So we'll give a little secret to the audience that you happen to be the spouse of one of the most popular shows that we have. So I, it's such a popular show. It's episode 107. I know the number because it's such a popular episode with Fran Fisher as she dives into the ins and outs of creating a clear coaching agreement. Well, you and I are going to dive into something equally important and I think equally challenging sometimes for coaches, which is how we go deeper and our emotions really okay in coaching. And, you know, maybe some of those traps that we fall in when we stay at surface level instead of really helping to evoke that awareness. I'm super excited about that. You are a legend in the coaching industry. You've been a coach for 32 years. Tell me a little bit about what lights you up about the work that you do. You know, when I made the transition from being a psychologist to coach fully, so I've been coaching since 1990, but I still had a practice as a psychologist. And then in 96, I said, I'm going full-time into coaching. That was kind of the start of Coach U and CTI and and Fran School in uh, Seattle. And I just said, man, I have found the gold mine. I mean, it, why did I become a psychologist in the first place? That's another story and it influenced how I became a coach. But what lights me up is what gap coaching has filled in personal and professional development in people. Because obviously not everybody saw a therapist, not everybody had a trusted listener, and a coach is a trusted listener. The coach training has been 
phenomenal. I'm a way different and better coach than I was in 1990 when I saw executives in major corporations. And it's made me a better person. I feel more more whole, more uh, resilient, more connected. And that's what I want for my clients. The one last thing is when I, so I owned a coaching school for a while, sold it in 2012 to my dean of students. I still teach there. And I've decided that when I'm at my best is when I'm a person influencing a few so that they can influence many. So I had a school, I taught, I love mentoring students now, beginning coaching or going for certification. I do some group coaching with uh, financial advisors through a special group. Sometimes it's one person, but I like that better than just a whole lot of one-on-one. So also that kind of shaking it up and doing lots of different things. I know that when I was a psychotherapist before I became a coach back at in, well, I was a psychotherapist from 1990 to 2008 when I transitioned into being a coach. I was doing back to back one on ones all day long, just one, you know, there, maybe some family yep. and some yep. couple. But when I became a coach, I didn't, there was so many new possibilities opened up. I, yep. uh, maybe they could have opened up for me as a therapist, but I was sort of in that looking at it one particular way. I never imagined that I wanted to be a coach instructor until that opportunity was open to me. And then it was like, to your point, the more coaches we can help really build their skills and be confident in their skills, the more the world is going to experience coaching. And how awesome is that to create that ripple effect, right? So part of that is the show. Yeah. 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 Well, I love you started this interview with something about diving. Let's dive in. So that yes. metaphor right there, because I teach an advanced class in metaphors, by the way, the, the word dive in fits the whole theme of why I'm here talking to you, because you've heard the, the metaphor where people say, you know, sometimes the information people share is like the iceberg. It's just 10% is what they are willing to share. 90% is under the surface or that. I hate that metaphor because what's under an iceberg? It's cold and dark. You know, so I like the metaphor of snorkeling, maybe diving, but just the safety enough. I don't want people to feel like they're going to dive 142 feet in a sunken ship, which I did once. But that was after I did a lot of snorkeling and shallow diving, right? Right. Comfort. As coaches, we want to go under the surface, like putting on snorkel goggles just to see the beauty and maybe the scariness of a little bit that's under the surface. Not deep, dark, mixed metaphor here, but not personal archaeology. We're not digging for angst or, or deep shadow stuff. We're digging for what the client hasn't shared. And, that, and it's not that they're hiding it. They don't yet know. So what's behind that initial question? What's behind what you're looking for? And so going deeper isn't scary. And yes, it is about emotions. Because if people are in coaching to make changes... <laughs> there's going to be emotions there. <laughs> right. Well, and you've been in the field longer than I have. And I know that even back in the early 2000s, when I started exploring coaching, I kept hearing, you know, if it's about emotions, it's therapy. And I, w- I was thinking, well, that doesn't make logical sense. No. Are we coaching human beings? Because human right. beings are going to be bringing emotion. So I'm sure you've seen an incredible evolution yeah of awareness over the time that you've been in the field of coaching. What have you seen? Well, yeah, there's two avenues of that. First, in the field of coaching, yeah, when I first started, my school primarily attracted therapists who wanted to add coaching to their repertoire or shift into being coaches. So that's who I attracted, the Institute for Life Coach Training. 
And I wrote my first book, Therapist as Life Coach. But I made distinctions that for the coaching industry that, no, 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 just because a client might have some emotions come up, might even cry, doesn't mean you need to send them to a shrink. It means you need to acknowledge their energy. Today, we say energy. We don't say, Are, you seem to be sad. That's an interpretation. Mm-hmm. So the, the more refined skill in coaching is to say, wow, your energy really shifted. What, what's going on for you? That's more neutral, I guess. Right. So emotions are not to be feared. All emotions are good. There's just a couple that don't feel good. And then the other shift I've seen, so the coaching industry is finally understanding that. And the new competencies that were created in 2020, by the way, have the word emotions or feelings in there at least nine times in the eight, nine competencies. So that's good. The other thing is culture and corporate is starting to shift. Men more often today, because men didn't used to share, men didn't come to therapists unless they were forced to, but they came to coaching because there was less stigma. Right. In the corporate world now, and and I wrote an article about this for Forbes, about the uh, CEO of Goldman Sachs was training his new managers to be more transparent. And, And I won't make a story long here, but when your employees come to work and you say, hi, how are you? We really want to know the answer. Hi, how are you? Oh, my wife and I sat down with our 16-year-old last night. She told us she's pregnant. I don't know what we're going to do. And all you have to do is say, Whoa, I can only imagine. Listen, glad you shared that. If there's anything we can do to support you, let us know. You don't have to go into the story. Right. You're sensitive and connected, honestly. Yes. Transparent. Yeah. So Love that. So, And to your point, organizations are beginning to see that this is, this is not only okay, but it's good. So I just spent the last two weeks coaching leaders about empathy and Uh, active listening and reflection and summary and, you know, and engaging with that really active listening. And they were eating it up with a spoon. They were blown away. There was none of this. Now, at one point when I did a demo, the first comment that came out was, that sounded like therapy because you addressed his emotions. Uh What was interesting is there was only one woman in the room and it was the woman that made that comment about it felt like therapy because you addressed his emotions. So, but then it allowed a conversation about the fact that human beings are going to have emotions and your employees are going to have emotions. Right. It probably would suit me now to tell you a little bit about how did I shift from therapy into coaching because it's relevant to this. I, yeah. My degrees, somehow from a young age, I was always okay with emotions. I had a dad who was sensitive and open-minded, and there's a whole story I wrote about how one time I cried in a movie. With, he, he looked at me and he goes, it's okay. You know, like, like I was never taught boys don't cry, big boy. I, so I was sensitive to all of that. Uh, not sensitive in a negative way, but sensitive in a observational. Yeah, um, kind of tuned in curious, way. Curious, yeah, curious, yeah. The blue of coaching, right? Curiosity. So then when I got my degree in psychology at, at University of Kansas, I didn't take the Freudian crap, excuse me. Right. I, no. I learned about Maslow, Carl Rogers, Carl Jung, the, the more positive-minded people. And then I got a master's in humanistic psychology, followed by a doctorate in transpersonal psychology, the farther reaches of human nature, as Maslow called it. But there was one professor I had for a master class that you may or may not know the name, Sidney Girard, in 1975. Now, I still got the book he wrote. I don't know if it'll show up here, but in 1975, Transparent Self. Transparent Self. 
written in 1964, he came to a professor's house in a master class, and I said, oh, Dr. Gerard, I've got a copy of your book. Would you sign it? Sure, sure. And then I said, I want to write a book like this someday. This really moved me. He goes, give me that book back. And he wrote in the book, and I've still got it. That's my copy. That if you never write your book, you have no one to blame but yourself. Ooh. So he was, the power of this book, The Transparent Self, was about self-disclosure for therapists, the Freud theory said, no, 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 you're a blank slate. You don't right. talk. But, but let me just read you quickly the first sentence of his preface because it's relevant. A choice that confronts every one of us at every moment is this. Shall we permit our fellow humans to know us as we now are, or shall we seek instead to remain an enigma, an uncertain quantity, wishing to be seen as something we are not? That wow. is what happens in coaching. You know, you get to find your, who are you? Why are you? What is it you're wanting to create? What's calling you? Not, what do you want for life? What does life want for you? It's kind of a different way to think about it. Right. So I saw that coaching being the container that offered more opportunity to more people than traditional psychotherapy did. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Love it. So then that opens up a thought. It opens up a thought about how do we show up authentically in a session and maybe even transparently yet not make the session about us protect yes. the fact that the session is about the client? I'd right. love for you to dive into some of that. Yeah. And it takes some refinement. I mean, you don't want to make it me too listening. Oh yeah, that happened to me too. And here's how I got over it. No, but you can share enough to say, you know, my wife died too. And I know that that's a difficult transition. So I just want you to know that. And, and if you're getting the support you need, I hope you're finding that. That's empathy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a sharing of transparency. But I didn't make it my session. Right. I didn't give advice. The other thing we have to do is if we've got stuff, <laughs> the other S word could be used there, happening in our life, what do we need to do to go in and be present for our coaching moment, whether in person, on Zoom, or on the phone? What do we need to leave outside the office? Now, during the pandemic, all that was magnified. Stuff happened to us too. Right. Maybe our practice was affected. Maybe our family was affected. Travel was, you know, we felt a little sequestered and, and contained. And I know that there was an article Adam Grant wrote for the New York Times called Languishing. That blah you're feeling has a name and it's called languishing. You're neither depressed, you're neither energized. But so we coaches need to have a mentor coach, colleagues we can trust, to debrief some stuff with, or just make sure we're sharpening our saw, as Stephen Covey used to say, you know, keeping ourselves sharp. So being aware, when are you potentially not at your best and what do you need to do to clear your, the own yeah. stuff off the table, yeah. Yeah. as yeah. well as how tuned in are you to, if something comes up with your client that brings something up inside of you Mm -hmm. Being able to maybe acknowledge and put that to the side, acknowledge to yourself, okay, something just came up. Right. This is not the time for me to deal with it. How do I need to get refocused and recentered on my client? Yeah, that's where, I mean, and, and there's a lot of talk about supervision and coaching. I don't like that term, but I call it mentoring. <laughs> yeah. I define mentoring a little broader than the ICL. Mm -hmm. But you need to have a, a coach, colleagues that you can say, you know, can I just debrief something with you? May not even want coaching. You just need to speak out loud and know it's being heard. Right. And the other part of what you said is how do you, if, if something comes up for you during the session, you don't need to share all that during the session. 
but if you seem to be at a place where you're not going to be present and available, tell your client that your your energy level's down right now. Just, I'm not all here today. Can we reschedule this? And you don't need to say why. I mean, unless it really touches you. Now, I've, I had a story where a client's son got killed in a train wreck, and I'd coached her for years on different topics. And she wrote me one day and said, hey, doc, I really need to... I really need to talk to you. Something's happened in the family. And I go, oh, God. Well, she says, hey, doc, I know this is not going to be a coaching Right, session. right. And I cried with her because I can only imagine what losing a son would be like. Right. And I just said, what can I do? What help are you getting? So all the goals of coaching were put aside for a few weeks or months. And we just focused on, I supported Healing. her. Yeah. But I didn't do the therapy. She was in a therapy group. She was, right. you know. So I was there as what I call nowadays the committed listener, the trusted listener that we have in our life as a coach. Because I believe, and I'd love your feedback on this, that different sessions call for different things sometimes. I mean, we're in and out of the different hats and the different kinds of engagement that we have with our clients, Yep. but we need to be aware of that. And I think that that's one of the key things that we we need to be aware of what pure coaching is so that we know when we're not pure coaching. Yeah. And yet our clients need many different things from us at different times. So knowing when we're shifting into different roles is just key to being a responsible professional coach. Yeah. And that fits into the coaching mindset. That right. requires the reflective practice. What are you mm -hmm. doing to reflect on the coaching you just did? Do you ever listen to a recording of your coaching? Do you run it by a mentor or supervisor. And it's also that part, what did you do? Oh, the variety of clients you might see, depending upon your narrowness of your niche. I don't just do leadership coaching. I coach attorneys and client advisors and government workers and retired Navy SEALs or those moving to a not retirement, but a new career. I don't do groups much anymore, a little bit. But it, if you've got a variety, because I like a variety, you're going to have different ways. Some clients are more talkative, more aware of their emotional intelligence than others. Uh, and I like that. But even within a niche, there's going to be variety and differences. Right. A narrow niche, I mean. So what would be your, if, if somebody's listening and saying, you know, Pat, I consistently find that my sessions stay pretty surface level. I try to get the client to, oh, yeah. I try to evoke awareness, I try, but it's just, we just tend to kind of stay surface level. And what, what would you tell me as a mentor coach, or what would you tell me to help me think differently or go deeper with my clients? Okay. Well, this is off the top of my head, but one of the things, if you're doing even if it's telephonic coaching, not Zoom, because for years I did that, 25 years or something, notice the client's energy. Was there a shift in tone of voice or volume or was there a pause? And all we have to do is don't interpret to say, so what just shifted for you? You just, that was a big breath or you, you seem to be sniffling. What's, what's going on? That goes deeper. So noticing and not ignoring. I even think listening for metaphors, because if you step over when the client says, oh, I just feel really stuck or I feel really lost, and you go on with a kind of a transactional coaching conversation, you're missing what's attached to that metaphor. The word metaphor comes from the Greek word amphora, which was a stone, a potter, piece of pottery that contained valuables. Well, the coaching conversation, the metaphor is something that contains valuable information. So that's the second one. 
The third one is, I've said questions similar to this, but I might say, as you hear yourself speak now into the time we're having together, what are you feeling or what are you experiencing? I like that word better because it's not as narrowing as what are you feeling? What are you experiencing as you hear yourself? And then I just shut up. So silence is a way to go deeper. Yes. A little bit of silence, you know, and, and for an extrovert like me, three to four seconds seems like an eternity. So I've had to train myself. Just wait. Just wait. There is something, and it, again, we're not digging. We're not, it's just, it's under the surface. Even if you say to the client, well, as you express that to me, what, what else is there? Or what's Great. behind that? You know, it's because there is something behind it. Now, if they say, I don't know, I'm not sure. Well, then wait for another time because you've planted the seed. You don't have to keep going. Right. Transactional coaching is, you know, like somebody wants to lose weight or they want to write their book chapters and you, the assignments and the measures and the goals, goal, a term that I hate, goals. Well, hate's a strong word. I'm sorry. I strongly dislike. That's transactional and that can be helpful. But the transformational opportunities don't happen in every session, but they'll happen more often if you pay attention to energy, words, and this pausing maybe the clients like, well, what else are you thinking right now? Or what's in your heart as opposed to what's in your head? That's another way. Right. With all the information today on heart math and what, you know, the brain material, neurites that are in the heart. That's a powerful tool to use without getting, as my daughter says, too woogity-boogity. You know, nothing woogity-boogity about no, that. Nothing woogity-boogity. <laughs> and, and I think that that whole concept of instead of thinking immediately to action, what could they yeah. do? How are they thinking about it? How are they engaging with it? I think all of those things right. help the client keep an eye on where they want to go and what's happening versus you solve it. I think it's sometimes if we're really paying attention, is our fixer engaged? Are we trying to fix yeah. it? Because if yes. we're trying to fix it, then we're transactional. Yeah. When you mentioned earlier with components, you mentioned you were teaching leaders with empathy, uh, sharing, active listening, and I forget the other term. Reflection. Yeah. That, that all comes from, sorry to say this, but Carl Rogers and those people early in humanistic psychology, right. which influenced early coaching. Mm -hmm. Because that was not treatment or fixing. It was client-centered, was Carl Rogers' therapy. Empathy, active listening, and unconditional positive regard were his big terms. Well, right. now the International Coach Federation says we treat our clients as whole, creative, and resourceful. Sounds like unconditional positive regard to me. Certainly sounds that way to me, too. So our curious listeners want to know, what is it about goals? that you dislike? It's probably just the how they were in my life. I, I like whether aspirations, it, uh, intentions, goals seem like either do them or you don't. And I'm, I live my life with the b best experiences I've ever had have been the unchosen. And I mean, if I, everything was just exactly as it turned out to be, I would never experience anything new. So it's just me. I mean, I use them as intentions, outcomes. I don't care if people call them goals, but I get it. But I just yeah. knew that there were people going, well, why does Dr. Williams not like gold? You yeah. know, for me, I love the word experiment with my client. What are you going to experiment with versus Perfect. what's the goal you're working towards or what's right. your action plan? Right. Well, what's an experiment that you could try to see if it gets you closer to where you want to go? It takes away the of that. Yeah. The, and the good example about that is result, you know, uh, there is no failure. There's only results. That's experimenting. What did you learn? Right. Right. And what are you learning now? What would you like to try differently? That's just neutral. Right. 
So when we're thinking about that, the concept of, I, I want to bring back your, your visual of snorkeling and how we're <laughs> sort of, let's even say inviting the clients into that snorkeling experience and we're below the surface and we're looking at the beautiful things that there are to look at. And sometimes there's might be some things lurking that are unknown. Um, what, how is it that you sort of invite clients into that snorkeling experience? Well, I might, sometimes I might share that metaphor. I said, Mm -hmm. have you ever been snorkeling? And we'll do a quick little story because some people are scared the first time they put their face underwater and try to breathe differently. And some people say, oh my God, this whole world is great. And then all of a sudden you see an octopus or an eel, you know, so, or I might, if I don't share the metaphor, I might say, oh, what was the thought I just had? Something like when you think about this challenge that you're having, it's like what? And that usually gets to a metaphor. That's a question from the theories called clean language by David Grove. Instead of what's it like, it's like what? And they might say, oh, it's like being lost and not knowing my way out. It's like being stuck in a you know snow drift. And so there's that metaphor that we come back to. The other thoughts I have about asking them to go under the surface is just to say, is there another way that you could express that? Like when you think about, it's like the question I said earlier, what you just shared with me, what are you experiencing? I believe, and I'll tell my clients this, I believe that we all need just a few, maybe two or three trusted, committed listeners in our life. Now, the coach should be one. If they're engaged in coaching, we should be one. But we eventually want them to make sure that they've got a few that they've nurtured because there's, you know, the people that are too self-disclosing, too sharing can get in trouble. You trust too easily. Right. And um, there's research on that. I could even cite about being in groups and who shares too much isn't the most trusted person. No, because you wonder uh, where else are they sharing what they learned in group? Or, and what, yeah, what they things. hear from you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where's that coming out? It's interesting. We were at a anniversary party this weekend and we met a new couple and they sat at our table and she was she was sharing something and her husband said, there you go again with your oversharing. And it was, so it was a little awkward, a little uncomfortable, but she laughed and she was like, I am such an oversharer. And yeah. by the end of the evening, my husband and I were like, yeah, she certainly yes. was. Yep. So, you know, it becomes, well, you know, and that person is, you know, that maybe they're fun and enjoyable, but is that really somebody you're going to open up your heart to? Yeah. I think the other and this is just advice or a suggestion to the coaches who are listening is how do you get your comfort in who you share a little bit about your life? That quote I read from Sidney Girard is we need to share with somebody, even if it's, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm feeling like there's something missing or I'm not happy with this. Or, you know, what used to be told to us as therapists, you remember this as somebody said, I've never told this to anybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't want to hear the big dark secret of, you know, I, some tragedy that they caused, but that's not the kind of client. Well, I shouldn't say that because we don't know all the details about our right. client's past. Right. And we're not looking for that. We're looking mm-hmm. about what is undisclosed, like the concept of the shadow. Let me just say that. Shadow isn't all bad. The shadow just has stuff that hasn't had a light shined on it. What about if it's some un unrealized goal, excuse me, that you had as a kid. And it's in, so you always wanted to be a dancer. What are you doing with that now? How Mm -hmm. is that showing up in your life now? Uh, So an unrealized aspiration is not some big, dark, scary, 
you know, I was abused as a child or I had an abortion or I, you know, whatever. So you brought something up earlier that I, once again, when I'm interviewing people, I swear I see like hands go up in my head. Oh, ask more about that. And one of the things that I would love your perspective on is the concept of offering an analogy or a metaphor versus evoking a metaphor or an analogy. What are your thoughts about that? Well, those are actually steps I teach. The easy way is most of us share metaphors several times a minute or a day, you know. So during a coaching conversation, listen for them. If a client says that's really hard or I feel stuck or what, just say, tell me more about that. That's the obvious one. And if over time you want to evoke one, that question that I mentioned, like, it's like what? Or is there any image that comes to mind as you see yourself describing this? Is there any symbol or image? And then the third way is we might offer one. We might say, you know, Julie, we've been coaching for a while and I keep getting this sense of blank. Is that accurate at all? And it doesn't matter because they may say, oh, that's right on cue. Or they may say, no, it's not that, it's this. Right. So So it still evokes, it still helps the conversation go deeper. Right. Trust your intuition as a coach and check it out sometimes. I may say things like, this may sound crazy, but I keep getting this image of, is that relevant at all? And and I think clients are very open to that. Mm -hmm. A, it shows them you're tracking with them, you're you know, things are coming up within you. I'll say sometimes I'm getting a download. I don't know what this is, you know, but let me just, I'm going to offer it, but we're not attached to this is, this is what's happening for you, which is very different, right? Yeah. Well, and now let me share a little bit about the science. I'm not a researcher, but I love to read the executive summary. And what did you learn in this research? I don't mm-hmm. want to do it, right? So this, the research today in neuropsychology and neurobiology is that we actually have mirror neurons. When there's empathy, we have a vibration of neurons, usually from our heart center, that connect to the client. That is actually going on. And the brain waves are the parts of the brain with things stuck on it. When somebody has an emotional expression, it shifts. A different part of the brain lights up. So now we have science that proves what we felt kind of in a, without evidence to say that. Now we have evidence. Emotion is truly energy in motion. Emotion. Wow, that's a, yeah. so. The things that you're feeling, the the intuition that you have coming up, check it out because yes. it's very likely to be emotion between you and your client. Oh, that's really powerful. Energy. Energy. So, I could I could just talk to you and talk to you. You have several books. You have, like I said, this this extensive experience, both in the field of psychology and then moving into coaching. Anything else that you wanted to be sure that we touch on around this concept of allowing emotion, engaging with emotion, going deeper, and truly being in that, I guess, honoring the coaching partnership? I don't think there's anything different I could say. I mean, I I have you know, a, a book and some programs that address that now for coaches, and there's ICF credits attached to that. And there's a lot of other places where people can look at that aspect of yourself. Work on yourself, capital S, body, brain, being is what I always do. We used to ignore the being part, you know, and now with the, the new competencies and the emphasis on the being of the client and the being of the coach, that's where the mastery comes from. 
So if people want to know more about you or connect with you, we'll have those links in the show notes, but how would you recommend that people learn more about you? Well, my main website is uh, www.drpatwilliams.com. D-R, no period, just drpatwilliams.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me there. All the books are on Amazon and they're all audio books. My latest one called Getting Naked is actually narrated by me and it's about emotional nakedness. So that's it. You know, they'll find me through that. Absolutely. Well, like I said, you're a legend in the industry, so you're not hard to find. Dr. Patrick Williams, thank you so much for spending time with the Star Coach Show today. You're welcome, Meg. Great interview. Thank you. I wonder what you are going to apply based upon your learning from Dr. Pat Williams today. I'm excited for you to continue to learn and grow, and please let me know what your thoughts are. Now, my conversation with Pat continues in the member community where we talk about the mental blocks that we can have sometimes in charging for our services. And uh, that information is going to be shared with the member community. If you'd like to know more about the member community, go to starcoachshow.com and explore our member community. Next week, I invite you back as I am going to be with Tommy Newberry. We're going to be talking about how to create a plan forward to get what you really want. How intentional are you about really getting what you want? And he's going to share an incredible process with us. That's it for this week. I wish all of you the happiest of Thanksgivings. And even if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, I just wish you the happiest of days, an opportunity for you to zero in on what you're really grateful for. And let people know if you're grateful for them, because I don't know that we hear that enough from one another. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have an awesome one.